When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good morning and welcome to an On the Whistle podcast. I am joined by Matt Candela. We've just beaten Newcastle. I'm feeling hyped. I'm feeling excited. Matt. Just give us give us your hottest take. Let's just get straight into it. No fluff this morning. Let's just get straight into it. What a wonderful second half. Um, we really needed something because the first half was absolute dross. I was fearing for the worst. We didn't come out fast. But second half, we're really seeing the evolution of this team. They bounced back, saw good bounce back ability after the Liverpool game. And now we can go and enjoy the rest of the weekend. All the teams around us have got tough games. All the people we're competing with for fourth, West Ham uh, playing Manchester City, United playing Chelsea, Spurs with a difficult trip to Burnley. And we've already got three points in the bag so we can put our feet up for the rest of the weekend and enjoy that second half where um, where we came through. Uh, yeah, my, my hottest of takes is going to be for like, I, I, I don't know why I go on the Internet during games just some of the drossy opinion that I read I'm bored that was rubbish it's so painful it's like we've just come off the back of a horrendous loss against Liverpool confidence is obviously not high it's a young squad of players and people are writing us off at halftime and just for historical reference for those that have you know maybe only picked up Arsenal in the last four or five years Arsenal are always bad with early kickoffs you go to the ground early. You don't really have enough time to get a beer. You're a bit groggy, maybe a bit hungover. It takes a while for the atmosphere in the stadium to pick up. 
and by you know, it's the same with the players. It takes it takes a while for the players. No one wants to be eating pasta at seven o'clock in the morning. Let me tell you. So uh, yeah. the the slow start was painful. There were some big chances missed. But my word, did we come out uh, for the second half? And there were some spectacular individual performances. And look, I know it was Newcastle, but they played a deep block. We haven't been good against uh, deep blocks. And there were some there were some performances that didn't smell too good in the first half. So. Uh, massive three points. We are still fifth in the league and we go into the Man United game with a bit of confidence. Yeah, no, I mean, um, for people um, who don't have longer memories, you've got to remember uh, where we are in the year. We are in November the 27th and historically November has been one of the worst months for Arsenal fans. Oh, yeah. It's where, I mean, we've, we've, we've regularly gone, even under some of the best Wenger teams, we've regularly gone in November without a win. On occasion, so to basically escape November, um, the next game we'll we'll be playing on Thursday is in December. To escape November in this positive place is is a real welcome. And at one point, the commentator was talking about Joe Willock and said Joe Willock played his last. He started his last game for Arsenal a year ago to the day uh, in a in a loss uh, to Wolves at home. And if you go back a year in time and remember just how bad things were at Arsenal a year ago, we were in the midst of a sort of 10-game slump that only turned on Boxing Day. So to go into December in the vein of form that we're in now versus last year, where we're six points off top uh, as of right now, well, um, it's quite a turnaround, really. So really, really happy and trying to look big picture. I know people don't want to hear big picture, but... That's what it is. Listen, I, I know people hate it when I splice tables, but I love doing it because it riles certain people. But as of now, and look, we've played an extra game. Uh, we've, accrued, we've accrued the most points in the Premier League since after the first international break when we reimagined uh, our back five and the, the whole starting eleven. Liverpool was a terrible game, but Liverpool are absolute beasts at home. You know, I don't think Virgil van Dijk's been beaten in the Premier League uh, at Anfield. And we've got a young team and their heads dropped and there were some mistakes in the system that we haven't really seen uh, this season. So you're right, to make it through a very dark month for Arsenal is impressive. But the most impressive thing for me is historically, again, Arsenal teams, after long winning runs, tend to be pretty bad. I mean, even, you know, go back two years Unai Emery had a 21 game, three years, uh, a 20, 22 game unbeaten run. And it didn't just fall off momentarily. It fell off for the rest of his career and he got fired off the back of it. So the spirit that was shown today was really impressive. And again, I know it's Newcastle. I know it's Newcastle, but uh, new manager bounce is a, is a real thing. They were well organized. Things didn't really go our way in the first half. And sometimes Arsenal let those things happened to them and it was nice to see the spirit in the second half and it was nice to have a performance like that at home because I felt like the I don't feel like the belief was wavering in the stadium but you just know what it's like being in um in the ground in games like that it's just a bit shit so uh, uh, super positive I want to get into some of the uh, specifics um let's talk about the game of first halves because the first half uh 12 12 attempts at goal uh, I think seven of them came from our fullbacks. Uh, Nuno Tavares 
had end product like Emmanuel Bue at his absolute peak. Uh, Aubameyang missed from a yard out. I think Smith Road turned on the ball about twice in the entire half. Everything going back. Martin Erdegaard's touch was off. Matt, do you have any any insights into why that first half was so bad and you know what, what was going wrong well you know we always say you know what arsenal's going to turn up in the first couple of minutes and yeah. right from the off we were slow we were sluggish um we were very our passing was off um it was just a very uh it was a very typical midday kickoff performance to be honest i mean you you, you see them over and over again and it was frustrating because it felt like We'd established a bit of DNA around this fast start and trying to blow some teams away. And our best performances at home have been like that. So um, there are a few things uh, that you could put your finger on. Um, One of them was Odegaard coming in. um, And he came in and I don't think he had a terrible first half. He was probably one of our better performers in the first half. But it did feel like certain players didn't know what to do. And Smith Rowe sort of got shoved out to this sort of weird space on the left-hand side a little bit and wasn't getting on the ball um, that much. Um, We didn't have much verticality and a lot of our play was going out to Tavares in the way that it used to go out to Tierney and he was one of our main outlets and his decision-making was very, very poor in the first half. I think he had about eight shots on his right foot, which just seemed uh, not the best, not the best. Um, so it was just one of those things, really. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't, uh, that, that, that great. Late, late working news from Sky Studio. Johnny Cochran is live from Disneyland, Paris. His wife has let him out. Uh, we're going over to Johnny Cochran for the hottest of takes. It sounds like he's in a restaurant or a bar. Johnny, how are you doing today? I'm in a small bar at Disneyland. I mean, what's going on? Uh, then I've just been watching the game. First of all, and you said it to me, Pete, and Matt as well. You've concurred. It is serious dad points when I've been able to usher my two-year-old away and wife and watch the game. So I'm very happy with the way that things went down. And even happier, forget about dad's points, I'm talking about Premier League points. Three points today, a mighty result. Very pleased. Ooh, I can't even work at the angle. There we are. No, that's it. Well done. Uh, very happy with the um, uh, result from today. Um, I thought that, because it has to be a brief one for me, because obviously I will have to get back to being a human that is married. Um, but what I would say is particular highlights. Nuno Tavares, I thought, was my MOM. Absolutely sensational performance today. Not only... And I thought it was important because he had a difficult game, a game that I didn't watch um, at Anfield, but everyone came out and said, you know, quite frankly, that he was at fault for at least one of the goals, maybe two. And... Um, I thought that he came out today. Not only was he robust defensively, um, that non-penalty against Callum Wilson kind of was uh, the epitome of that, but that was good tracking back and a good um, exemplification of his his, his uh, recovery pace. But going forward, he, he was the energy that we needed. And we talked at half-time via text about the fact that we were a little disjointed, um, It was frustrating. We didn't seem like we were getting going at all. But um, I did think that Nuno Tavares offered that energy to help us unlock a a stubborn defence like Newcastle. Um, Wonderful to see Gabriel Martinelli 
get off the sheet as well. How many times we talked about, you know, we, we need you when you come in to, you know, to really make, turn, turn the manager's head. Say that, listen, I'm here, I'm banging on the door, but when I do get on, I'm not just doing, you know, doggies, doing doggy shuttles from one defender to the other, just trying to show that I'm running. I'm going to make a difference. And what a finish that was. Also, special commendation for um, Sambi Lakongo who comes in. Absolutely disgusting. First off, if you want another, you know, the classic Moonrakers across the field, not a problem for him, but the nuance, the little delicate chips to play Saka in in the first half, that's disgusting. Saka had a great opportunity um, through that Lakonga pass, but in general, I thought he looked assured and very, very polished. Um, party, I know it might have even been said in jest in our group chat uh, that he might not be delivering, but I thought he was solid enough. But I do think that ultimately Lukonga's, um rise to the stage where he is now to be able to knock at the big leagues is uh, in part due to the confidence he gains from playing alongside Party. So overall, those were my main takeaways. Um, but an absolute massive three points. Quite frankly, for every moment where we can talk about you don't need to win when you're away at Anfield, if you're a team in our position and what we want to achieve, you absolutely have to win when you're at home to Newcastle, bottom of the league. I don't care if there's a new manager bounce ready out. You've got to win. You've got to take it away. We've got the win. That's all I care about. It was a very important win. So well done, Arsenal. Come on, you go, Nuz. Wow, what a welcome. He's just, he's gate, he's gate crashed. He's gate crashed. Matt was talking about verticality. He was talking about verticality. He was going deep and you just jump right in. Um, we were just talking it. about um, it being a game of two halves, Johnny. And um, Matt was talking about, uh, you know, historical sluggish openers. Um, we've all been through there. We're all in our, uh, we're all in our early twenties. So we, uh, we remember it. Am I right guys? Am I right? Um, so let's um let let's get let, let's get back into uh, let's get back into the game. We was we were talking about a game of two halves. Let's talk about um the fullbacks because uh Nuno Tavares and uh Tomiyasu both had an assist today. But I want to talk about Nuno Tavares. He was abs- you know he he had the he had a mistake that really took the wind out of the sails against Liverpool. His first half it wasn't, it wasn't a terrible first half. It was just terrible decision-making and terrible end product. And in the second half, he was majestic. That was a man-of-the-match performance. That was powerful. That was confident. But you know the thing that I love about Nuno Tavares? And there are, there are very strong similarities with Adebayor. Adebayor could spend 60 minutes skying the ball over from two yards, but he'd be back again, back again, back again. And then he'd eventually get a goal. Nuno Tavares didn't let his head drop. And most players would have been like, sub me off. I've got, I've got an ankle injury. So to see Nuno Tavares come out in the second half and, and have as, a, a, such a deep contribution, both as a left-back defensively, but really, like, he, did, he did more creatively than Erdegaard did for the entire game. And that little assist, that, that deft touch, absolutely magnificent performance can Kieran Tierney get back in the side for Manchester United, guys? I'm not sure. I'm not well, sure. I mean, I was surprised when I saw Tavares starting, to be honest. But when you really think about it, you go, we've got this window of three games this week. We've got today, we've got United on Thursday, and then we've got, and we've got Everton on Sunday. And so 
they're going to have to share duties out between them. And I think Arteta's made the decision that he really wants Kieran Tierney. Well, maybe, maybe he, maybe that's what he thought. Maybe that's harder now. I think he was thinking, I want Kieran Tierney to be to be raring to go and fit to play at Old Trafford on Thursday, because there's going to be Ronaldo. There's going to be it's a whole different ball game at Old Trafford, and um, and he maybe saw some parallels with Anfield. But that was my thought. Uh, but then uh, Tavares has done what he's done, and now you're like. Maybe he needs to keep his place. What 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 do you guys think? Johnny's Let me just trouble. unmute myself. <laughs> I'm at Disneyland. Um, 100%. Look, I think this is a lot, a lot of Arsenal fans will be looking at, a lot of Arsenal fans will be talking about. For me, Tavares wasn't a fad. Or maybe, maybe it started out as a fad. Maybe it was an experiment, but it's quickly turned into something different. Kieran Tierney, for all his merits, and he is a fantastic player, I don't think that anyone was looking at our team of last year saying that Kieran Tierney was the biggest problem we had. But he's injury prone. And it's more than just about your top level with Tierney. It's about can you turn up week in, week out? Simple fact is he can't. And until he shows that he can, he's always liable for another younger, not necessarily younger, but a, a, a more available option who is willing to come in and do what he does, who's just going to be there. And Tavares, not, he gives us the energy that he does. That's what's exciting. But also this notion that he was somehow going to be someone who was just defensively completely lapsed and, you know, he would occasionally go on a lung-busting lung run forward and that would be his thing. No, he's decent. He's decent. I like him. I don't think you should change the team at the moment. If we want to be serious about this idea that the Liverpool loss was a loss to a team who will un- undoubtedly be, cha- you know, challenging for the top of the league this year, not our, you know, not our playground this year, um, then we simply say that Tavares has been on a seriously good run of form and he deserves to keep his um, keep his place. But what has to be, what I was really pleased with Arteta for playing him in this game because he's a young player that needs to continue that confidence. And if he had been dropped after that game, this is the way that you start seeing players get their confidence crushed after what seems like a bad result, suddenly they don't get their team. Then, oh, guess what? They're not the same player when they come back into the team. He was played, so I appreciate that from Arteta. And I don't see how you can drop him after an MOM performance. He was the man of the match today. Uh, of course, Saka was, was in and there about, but he, you know, it might have been a minute situation. But Tavares was as good as anyone on the pitch. There's no question about it. So, for me, I don't think that Tini does get back in the team. It's just as simple as that. I think I'm, uh, I'm, I'm totally with you, Johnny. I, I thought it was great man management from. Arteta to put him back in the side. You know, Newcastle are bottom of the league. Like, you need to give uh, Nuno a bit of a confidence boost. But the way that he completely owned that performance in the second half, because let's be honest, if he comes out and has a, a, a second 45, like his first, he doesn't get in the Man United starting 11. So he really took his chance. And again, I just love the character of some of these players. And I do, I, I think you raise a great point there, Johnny. Sambi Laconga could have easily been dropped today. Ainsley uh, is chomping at the bit in in midfield. I think that Arteta could have put somebody else in there, but he persisted. And that's a game where he really shines. And I like that he showed for the ball against, you know, it wasn't a 
wasn't much of a press today, but I like the way that he opened up play. I like the confidence of his passing. And I think we've got to be honest. I, I, like he he is the creative force in in that pivot with Thomas Partey. I thought it was, you know, I I, I haven't seen it a lot this season. I thought Thomas Partey would uh would be the the bigger creator, but Thomas Partey's having to go back to his Atletico days. I'm gonna sit in his box, give the ball to Sambi is gonna be the shout moving forward. But I uh I, I love his energy. I love the way he sprays the ball around and I love the way that he opens up play, especially in moments where we really needed a lift and a, and a, and a bit of a push. I felt that that he definitely delivered that today. So Nuno Tavares definitely in for the Man United game uh, against uh, in the week. And Tavares, uh, um, sorry, Sambi Conga as well, a great game. So uh, let's also talk about another thing. And I think that this is really um, one of the more boring things that goes on. There's a really big narrative going around in the week about Arsenal's um, XG statistics this season, which I think is a little bit unfair. But you've got a whole group of like arsonists online that always want to shift, uh, a, a, you know, a positive narrative into negative territory. And one of the the big pushes this season was apparently, according to uh, some statistics, Arsenal have only had seven big chances all season, despite scoring more goals than that. Uh, Arsenal had six big chances today. We nearly matched our, our big chance creation for the entire season. So every Arsenal fan could be happy today. Peacock Streaming. The biggest sports and live events on the planet. Touchdown. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. Yes! It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. And we are back. Sorry, uh, Johnny. Johnny logged in from the pub like a, like an absolute hooligan. Then shut down our live feed. So we're we're back on. Matt, I want to talk about um, Arteta. He's been accused of being terrible at in-game management. He's made some dodgy decisions in the past. Uh, the impact subs today were driven more by injury than choice, but Gabriel Martinelli comes onto the pitch. The game is on a knife edge. Uh, talk about the impact sub, Matt. Talk about that moment for Martinelli and what it means for him. Well, let's just let's just rewind a little bit about how um, how much we need someone to come and step forward in that attacking position. And we were talking before about the way that a year ago, Smith Rowe came in and announced himself on Boxing Day and didn't look back and became, you know, a stalwart of the whole team. And, you know, there's this thing going on with Martinelli because he came in under Unai Emery. He scored 10 goals in that season. He was a wonder kid. And then he's just sort of sunk without trace a little bit. And there's all this sort of, does Arteta fancy him? Does he like him? Do they get on? Has he lost it? What's going on? And all of this sort of stuff. And it would just be such a shame um, if um, it didn't work out for Martinelli at Arsenal. Because what we've seen is he's got every single raw attribute you need. He feels like he could be a Ronaldo-type player for us in that he has that dynamism, he can shoot, he can head, he can do everything. But he needs to start delivering. And 
He hasn't been given a chance for a little while. He's sort of had a few, few, few cameos, and he really, really needed to make an impact. And to come on like that, I can't think of a better way for him to get the confidence that he needs. Because really, he's just look. You're looking for a spark with a player like that. You're looking for a spark where they suddenly feel like they're back, their confidence is up, and they become the player that you know they can be. And for him to come on and then something like 84 seconds later, the beautiful, deft finish with a great run, a great pass first time from Tomiyasu. And you look at it and you go, he's probably the only player in our team who could really score a finish like that. There's not many of them. And it really showed what he's all about. So the hope really, and I think he was really, really strong after he came on. He looked dangerous throughout. Um, he looked committed. He looked up for it. He looked hungry. The runs that he makes makes everyone else look better, and and especially like the likes of Erdegaard and Smith Rowe. So, you know, I'm just hoping that this is this is a catalyst because it was just a outrageous piece of skill, and um, and and I for one would love to see if he can start to become an answer for us moving forward in that number nine position. Yeah, I I think. That little cameo performance of 30 minutes today uh, showed us a lot of things. Firstly, it showed what we what we lack up front. I know that Obama Yang is uh, is a great finisher, and I know that he's pressuring a lot more. But the the hustle from Martinelli, the runs that he makes, the chances that he takes, the enthusiasm. We just don't have that uh, in Lacazette or Obama Yang, and I think that that's a real shame. But you you are right. There aren't many players of that age that are scoring goals like that in the Premier League and the pressure he must personally be putting himself under because he knows he didn't play well against Brentford at the start of the season. He's been largely anonymous. He hasn't had a good run uh, since it all went wrong for him, really, uh, at Aston Villa. But young players go through peaks and troughs and what a way to announce yourself. And also, what a headache to give Mikel Arteta going into the Manchester United game. He looked hungry. He's 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 power and his pace. You know, he he was he was leaving Newcastle players for dead. And I wonder if we're going to see what Arteta has been working on with him over the last six or seven months. You know, he made he made some quite sharp decisions. It didn't look quite as kamikaze. He looked a little bit more controlled. Um, but the explosion going forward is something that we've lacked. And I think that if Saka's out. That's not a bad player to be coming in. That's not a bad player to to be coming in because Man United players won't be knowing what to expect on Thursday. Well, I think the other thing is he what he needs to do is exactly what Obama Yang doesn't do. He needs to add real physicality to that role up front, and and he looks a little bit bigger. He looks a little bit more uh, uh, composed in that way. So it's not about just running around from, from shuttling, as Johnny said earlier, from from sort of place to place on the pitch it's about being physical letting the defender know you're there running at the right moments picking your chances um putting people around um and 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 I think you know he 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 did feel like a a little bit like he was doing a little bit more of that um but he just had a little bit more presence around him uh when he came on and something sometimes that presence is sort of uh you know it's, it's sort of an intangible but um, he 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 had a bit more of an aura around him, especially after scoring that goal. And that's what it does when players know you're the kind of player who can take chances like that. It, it worries them. It's scary for them.
So long may it continue. Um, I'm hoping he's not needed on Thursday because that will mean that Saka is fit. And I think it felt like a like a like a like a knock rather than a strain. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty confident that he'll be back on Thursday. Otherwise, I don't think he'd have been cu- coming and trying to get back on if he if if that was a strain. So um, so we'll see. But this is my most exciting time of the season, this Christmas period. And I think somebody said it, one of the commentators on the feed I was watching, but you're looking at every single time a player goes down, you're worried that they're not going to, that they're they're injured because there's so many games coming up. And already just in this week, United and Everton. So I think Martinelli is going to find himself with, you know, an hour of football to be played between those two games. And it really is up to him to go and, put down another marker in those 60 minutes or so that I expect him to get over the next week in those games and if he can get a goal that helps us get a point or three in one of those two games he will really be setting himself up nicely for the second half of the season. Martin Lane is one of those players that Arsenal fans just want to do well you know there's always there's always a, a collection of players you will forgive bad performances you'll forgive the inconsistency because you just want to do see him do well because he's the type of player that gets a sleepy crowd off of their feet he's uh he, he's a I, I, I think Veng did Wenger say bang you know a bang bang player when he was describing Robin Van Persie once I don't know who said it but I I think Gabriel Marcinelli is a bang bang player he's the sort of player that normally ends up at Liverpool and he's the sort of player that we haven't really had a lot of over the last seven or eight years, just a, a big powerhouse player that frightens defenders. So great to see him back in the starting 11. Uh, not the starting 11 because he didn't start, but it's great to see him back in the first team. Um, I really hope that that's the start of something special because we know what happened uh, last time. We all remember that run under Emery. You know, one one thing that I did notice, I thought he was quite good in the air, but for the corner... He sat at the edge of the box. He didn't go in for the corner. That was well, an interesting choice. He scored a lot of headers when he first came in in the League Cup. He um, did, yeah. He's, he's a good finisher with his head. So I'd love to see him uh, getting stuck in there because heading is something of a lost start now. I don't think you're even allowed to head the ball more than a couple of times in training. So um, I love it. I love a good header. Yeah, me too. So talking of young players, uh, there's a real difference when Saka and Smith-Rowe aren't quite at the races. And again, game of two halves, but Smith-Rowe was just passing back towards his defence and his midfield, barely barely turned into space in the first half until right at the end. Saka was, was present, but it wasn't forceful. And I think, you know, maybe for the second or third time this season, the opening to the second half was Saka taking the game by the scruff of the neck. And great players can do that. Thierry Henry used to do that. Rob Perez used to do that. Lundberg used to do it. And we're starting to see a little bit of that from Saka and Smith-Rowe. And it's so exciting because the average age of those two is, what, 20 or 21? And like, did did you feel that he took control of that game today in the second half? Was he the catalyst? 100%. I mean, I think it started about five minutes before the end of the first half. Uh, and he just sort of woke up and he had that beautiful little piece of skill where he jinked between a couple of Newcastle defenders and uh, hit it across the goalkeeper. But, um, you know, he came out for the second half raring to go. And I just love that finish. Like this, 
we we all love the controlled finish, but there is something about the when someone lashes it across the goalkeeper right into the bottom corner, and that's exactly what he did. So um, he came out, he was raring to go, he was fired up, it was great to see, um, and 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 I loved and I loved to see that. Um, I think I've seen a couple of comments saying um, I don't like uh, Smith Rowe and Odegaard in the same lineup, and um, I'd love it if I wasn't saying this, but I tend to agree. Um, I feel like um, Erdegaard takes a lot of oxygen away from Smith Rowe uh, when he plays. He seems to be given more of the Smith Rowe role, and Smith Rowe has to sort of find a newer niche, sort of often on the left hand side. And he's done it well on times. I think against Spurs last season, he was outstanding. Smith Rowe in that little pocket and gave that left fullback a difference. But Smith Rowe's a better player than Erdegaard. I think that's just a reality of it. It's why he's our number 10 and he plays every game. And so I do feel like they have to find, uh, it sort of takes them half a game or so to find the natural spaces in the game with which they're both expected to play. Um, so hopefully we can we can, we can can figure that out because I think I, I like Odegaard as well. So, um, but certainly the second half was, 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 was way better from both of those. And look, the reality is they are their engine. They're the beating heart of, of Arsenal right now. And so when they're not firing, there's very little else happening. You know, we're relying on the fullbacks. So, um, and I think, and I think other teams have, especially Liverpool, I think we're, we're, we're very good at realizing that they basically said, if we shut these two down, Arsenal aren't doing anything. And that was, that was certainly the case. So good to see them, um, back amongst in it they're young um it's going to be tricky over christmas at some point we're going to need to rest them um i don't really want to be resting them against united on thursday um but we're going to have to figure that out and maybe that norwich wolves little section of games um immediately after christmas day can be a chance for them to get a much needed break and spend some time with their families so uh we'll see but yeah definitely a positive uh effort from those two today yeah and let's let's continue the positivity train because i know that johnny touched on it earlier before he destroyed the whole podcast uh sambi magic sambi laconga today was majestic uh 93 pass completion rate uh smith Rowe was like 76 in the first half so that's just to sort of you know give you an idea of how good sambi was sambi laconga created six chances I think that's more than Meza Ozil created in two seasons uh, at Arsenal. So are we starting to see a superstar midfielder emerge here? Is Sambi Lekonga seeing that Granit Xhaka is back in training? And is he trying to make it as difficult as possible for Arteta to put one of his one of his favourites back in the side? What did you think of, uh, of that Sambi performance today? Are we seeing a, a, a maturity um, that maybe we didn't earlier on in the season coming through in his game. I think the best thing that you can say about him is it feels like he's been there a lot longer than he has. He feels like a natural in there. Centre mid as a young player is a really, really difficult position to come in and play. I don't know if people remember, but when Arsene Wenger used to bring his most talented young players into the team, he wouldn't bring them straight into centre midfield. He played them on the left-hand side uh, for a little while because it would be an opportunity for them to figure out what it was all about and 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 it's slightly less you can become you can be slightly less exposed when you're on the flank and 
Jack Wilshere and Aaron Ramsey, and they all they all started out on the on on, on a wide position and coming in. And when Lukonga has had to come in and fight right in the middle of the Premier League park every single game uh, from the beginning, and I think he's been absolutely outstanding at that. And you know, it really makes you realise just how hard it was last season before we made these additions because you know. This season, we've had Granite Xhaka and Kieran Tierney out for prolonged periods of time. Imagine if we didn't have Tavares. Imagine if we didn't have Lukonga. So um, it really, we, it would be a disaster. We'd be in 15th place in the league, probably. So um, he's come in. He's done really well. I'm looking forward to Xhaka being back and adding um, some competition in those places and being able to give some of these players a breather. But some of the squad, the squad depth is looking... Uh, extremely positive and um i thought that that ball at the, in the in the first half for for saka was outstanding and it really oh, showed really oh, showed a, a real another, crowd pleaser hollywood really, really showed another another part of his game and imagine if he can start doing those it was it <laughs> had a bit of the alex song about it at one point didn't it Don't, so, no no that's <laughs> unfair that's unfair you take that back Let's hope he doesn't. Uh, I think Alex Song did one of those that led to a goal, and then he started do, that. Every pass became one of those Hollywood passes. But it did. Did he make the? Wasn't that the pass that he made for Robin van Persie against Everton? That where he uh, volleyed it into the bottom corner. I was right behind that goal. Yeah, yeah. So uh, no, he's looking good. Um, the team's looking good. Squad depth much more uh, positive. So uh, yeah. On onwards, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love I, I love Sambi. I think Surfer Rosa in the in the comments said that he was man of the match. For me, Nuno Tavares was man of the match because of the 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 holistic view of you know what he went through against Liverpool and what he went through in the first half. But Sambi was so consistent all game. He's um, he's the heartbeat of that midfield at the moment. Question is, can he do it against uh, United? You know, we've seen a couple of games this season where. You know, if, if he's put under pressure, he'll, he'll make mistakes. I think Palace, he made a, a, you know, a bad mistake and against Liverpool. It wasn't his finest hour. But these young players, man, 21 years old in a Premier League starting 11 centre midfield is exceptional. Uh, and, you know, we, we're kind of normalising the fact that these young players are, are doing what they're doing um, for Arsenal at the moment. But it really is it, it really is top draw, especially considering some of the senior players that let us down over the years. Well, I think um, someone uh, said Arsenal have named a starting eleven with an average age of 24 and under for 10 consecutive league matches for the wow. first time since December 1987, 1988. Ooh. What does that mean? That's George Graham. And I Perry, think Perry we know. What, I think we know what happened the year after. So, um, uh, and I think what I loved about the 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 the, the podcast that, that that you guys did with Perry Groves was all the parallels that were made with George Graham and the way he went about changing the culture. But there's something brewing with this young team and the young players. They're not just young, talented players coming through. They're young players with character who are not going to miss this chance uh to stake a claim to be a to be to be a to be a first teamer a regular first teamer at the age of 20 or 21 or 22 and they have this steel this metal about them and Sambi's one of those he's he may have some silky skills but he's definitely got um some steel about him yeah agree wow what a what a statistic that is 
for the age of the of the squad. That's fantastic. All right, so we're going to move on to another topic. I know you want to talk about this because uh, let's talk about the defense. Is it for real? Ben White, Gabriel, and Ramsdale. I want to talk about because we know that Tommy Asu and Tavares were absolutely exceptional today. But I wanted to highlight the general calmness of the defense today. Um, and I also wanted to talk about Aaron Ramsdale because the big question mark around him was, can you do it when you've only got one shot to deal with? And yet again, he shows up for a John Joe Shelby monster shot and he keeps it out and tips it over the bar. Like, uh, how how good is this, is this core that sits right through the middle of our defense at the moment? How good can they become? Well, I just love the fact that they I love the fact that they're all getting a run of games. I think it was last season when we couldn't we couldn't field the same two center halves for for two games in a row, let alone eight or nine games in a row. It was constant rotation, it was holding, it was Mari, it was Kalasinak, it was anyone who can play there, it was Kieran Tierney filling in, it was it was a complete nightmare. It was five at the back, it was four at the back. There was just like absolutely and 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 you can say what you want but it wasn't Arteta's fault because we couldn't keep anyone fit I mean that was that was the that was the bigger problem we had COVID we had Gabriel come in and then get you know be sick so I think there's a couple of things I think the first thing is the solidity is really really helping uh in that in 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 those three and it would be great if we had a center half um, on the bench, who was really, really pushing those two for a starting position. And maybe that's where Saliba can come in. Although, you know, it doesn't feel like it, um, but that would be great if someone like that could come in and 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 really stake a claim to be to be starting back there or, or could play a run of 10 games if one of these players get injured. Because at the end, Ben White went down after a little collision and I'm thinking, we, I mean, we really can't, we can't live without Ben White at the moment. Uh, if Gabriel goes down, he was outstanding and phys- physically standing up to Callum Wilson all game. You know we can't do without him, so it's great. But we don't have we don't have squad depth there. Rob Holding is not in the same class as those as those two um, coming in. But but yeah, it's it's super positive. And then you know we're all Ramsdalians. Uh, he's we love him. Uh, just want to keep this form up and. I think the real question is going to be at some point he's going to make an error. Every goalkeeper does. And, um, and, and we've just got to hope that he bounces back from it, but everything about his personality, his character suggests that he will, and that he's not the kind of player to dwell on stuff. He enjoys being out there. He, he, he seems to love being Arsenal goalkeeper. So yeah, there's 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 so much to be positive about. I mean, it's difficult to say that because let's not forget we're talking about the same defense that played a week ago and conceded four goals. So, you know, it's not all perfect, um, and um, we're going to have to see. Uh, I think you know Tavares. I know we're not we're sort of focusing on the other bits of the defense, but you know, I think there's a vulnerability defensively on the left hand side of that of that of that defense at the moment still. That was you sort of saw that a little bit when you had someone who was as good as Salah playing in that little hole, dropping between the centre half and the fullback, and we didn't quite know how to deal with it. Um, similar to the way we got exposed by Reese James against Chelsea um, in that in that sort of pocket. So um, the best teams know how to get in between the spaces, 
and then it becomes more about how the whole team defends as opposed to how the back four defends you know it's like how has that defense synced up with Lukonga and party so that when there are runners coming from midfield that that that, that we're robust it feels like that's the bigger weakness we're, we're great at defending when it when it's a more static way of playing but you know when when the when the opposition is very dynamic we still have some problems so uh we'll see but yeah uh all heading in the all heading in the right direction and great for Ramsdale to get uh another clean sheet I mean our defensive record has been really really good when you uh <laughs> when you take away the four goals at Anfield uh the five at City the two at Chelsea but um L- listen we're um after the international break, which when we got this defence together, uh, we have the third best defence and everybody else has got to play today. Chelsea have conceded three, City have conceded five and Arsenal have conceded eight. And on the attacking front, uh, Arsenal have scored the same amount of goals as Manchester City since uh, since we got those players together. So some, maybe some hope on the attack front. I think um, there, there were a, a couple of criticisms uh, you know, I don't want to give Ben White a pass. Um, I agree with um, Wenger Kid, who said first half Benjamin was too slow to release the ball. I agree with that. Sometimes um, he looks for the perfect outlet, which is commendable. But if he's slow, if he's slow out the back, I feel like the whatever the, the play is tends to be a bit slow. Um, maybe a little bit unfair because in the second half he set Tommy Asu free to to assist Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, and I just want to say, uh, Alfin Felix, who was with me at two o'clock in the morning yesterday when I was trying to set up the uh, the YouTube, he was in there because I put the schedule out earlier. And he said, this team has a lot of untapped potential, which we can bring them out in the long run. And I'm sure in the long run, we are definitely going to bring out some of that untapped potential. Uh, so there is one bad thing that we've got to talk about today. Aubameyang stinking out the joint again. Um, it doesn't look like it's a lack of effort or, or or passion. It just looks like it just looks like decline. I don't know. It just looks like he's not su- suited to the system. He missed from a yard. We've seen him miss two penalties so far this season. He looks out of sorts. He looks pained. Um, is there any way out of this for him, or do we think that this is just the reality that he's not suited to the way that we want to play moving forward? Yeah, um, he looks old to me. Um, you know, it's it, it sort of, sort of, sort of all, all hit him at the same time. It's it's why clubs don't give big contracts to people over thirty because sometimes when you get after that age, it feels like it feels like it, it, it's not even gradual. It feels like you know you you can you can fall off a cliff a little bit uh, after like an injury or an illness and just not come back. And and that certainly feels like what it feels a little bit like with him. Um, I don't think it's it, it it's 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 terrible, terrible. I think he's still more than capable of getting you know twelve to fifteen goals this season for us, um, which 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 is is it's not a disaster. Um, but we desperately need reinforcements. The reality of his new contract is he's only got one more season after this one, right? Um, yeah, he's into his into the final year of his deal. Into the Lack deal. So, out. so you could argue that. You know, we needed to do that deal because we're still going to need him for a year and a half while we bed in an, a new striker at the end of this summer. So I don't think it's the worst deal in the world. I don't think it's anywhere like the Meza Ozil situation. No, definitely um, not. 
so 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 that's 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 some some relief but we, you know what what we would all give for a marquee striker signing i i'm i'm such a huge fan of that uh, vlavic uh, i'm not quite sure how you say his name but he's an absolute monster uh, and just like the the feel good vibes that would come through he's only got uh, a year left on his contract so the the feel good vibes that would happen if we could bring someone like that into to lead the line but hopefully you know that's 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 the opportunity for martinelli i think he can come in and he can cement himself as the striker in this young arsenal team if he takes his chances that there is no one standing in his way so that's i'm, I'm preferring to look at the, the the positives but that miss in the first half i mean that's the problem when you're all about finishing and that's all you can't miss chances like that so uh, yeah, you've got to take your chances. And uh, Gabriel Martinelli took his today. And, I, you know, I wonder whether... Uh, and Not that Saka doesn't have energy, but he doesn't have energy in the same way that, um, that Martinelli does. And I wonder whether having a bit of a live wire next to Aubameyang might help open up the game a little bit and he can play more as a, a second striker, you know, finishing up. Because he, his game has always been predicated off of, you know, goal poaching and, and hanging off the last shoulder. I don't think he has that pace now. And I don't think that we give service in that way. So it's... Um... But we just we just don't really... Um, football's just changed a little bit, I think. Uh, like how... I mean, the amount of Arsenal goals that you used to see where we had, like, we would play players through and they'd be one-on-one versus goalkeepers. That used to be such a, you know, an Arsenal way of scoring goals. Ian Wright, Thierry Henry... You know, it was it was just 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 a constant. Whereas it feels like now, uh, you, you have to work a lot harder to unpick defenses. They're so much more organised. They sit deeper against teams like us, and and I think it's just it's just got harder to to to, to score goals. And I think he's 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 struggling with that adaptation. There's no chance of just being feeding in balls where he sits on the shoulder of last defenders. It's it's a different game right now. So, one one last uh, topic to to take on. We've got a we've got a comment on Twitch. A bit worried about Erdegaard in the first half. He couldn't trap a ball in the pocket on the half turn. He lost it several times. Which, if he's our number ten, isn't great when teams sit deep against us. Is there a is there a larger concern about Erdegaard not hitting the level, or do we think that this is just nature of the beast when you sign young players that it takes a while for them to adapt and when they're not getting a lot of minutes, sometimes it can be rusty and clunky. Yeah, I think it's just the nature of the beast, to be honest. I think he's going to have plenty of chances. I think he hit a good free kick that on another day, you know, he sort of came back into the centre, could have gone in. I think he's a good player. Um, We're going to have to figure out how they play together. And I think that's another example of you think it's their fault, but actually with a different striker, like we could look like a different team playing. Our midfield could look different as well. Um, so he was unfortunate, Odegaard, in that really he was the biggest loser out of that great run that we went on. He was the person who lost his place and never got in. But, you know, he got his opportunity today. Um, I think I think he could get another opportunity on um, on Thursday. I think he'll start again, Odegaard. I think it'll be a similar team. Um, so, yeah, he'll he'll come good. He's, he's, he's a good player and he's got the right character. Uh, so... Um, I think he's definitely part of the long-term plans. I don't think I don't think anyone is 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 worried about him. I think 
what you what you have what you realize is you know you really need a lot of squad depth now in the Premier League, especially around moments like this. We would be absolutely fucked without Nuno Tavares with Kieran Tierney having been out for a while. You know, um, we would be screwed without Lukonga with Xhaka having been out for so long. Um, and you need you need you need a squad. I still think our squad is very light uh, in terms of like top quality. So. We're going to be calling on Odegaard. He's going to play 20, 30 games, more games this season. So um, I agree with that. Before we go, we should talk about uh, new manager situations at a couple of different clubs. Uh, Conte, uh, after Spurs' loss to the lowest-ranked Europa Conference side in the week, said that he is not a magician and that the Spurs squad is not at the level. Um Normally, it takes a few months for managers like Conte to start rolling the squad under the bus. It seems like he's uh, he's out there now making his feelings known. Um, do you, is it is it clear to you that he's got a bigger challenge on his hand than he than he had at Chelsea? Is it uh, are we starting to see that rock star managers need rock star players? Um, where, where do you see this going with uh, with Conte at Spurs? Because it's, uh, it's I, I, I don't I don't believe he didn't know exactly what he was getting himself into uh, before. So, I mean, we all know exactly what he's inheriting there. There's a lot of there's a big mess to sort out, and we know that he's very good at sorting things out. He's 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 a good operator, and I can't believe that he hasn't he he didn't go into this job with some assurances around. Uh, around budget for transfers and, and, and the like. So I think he knows exactly what he's getting. I think it's part of a strategic uh, decision to, to, to let the fans and, uh, and, 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 the, and, the, and the staff and everyone in the club um, understand where in the process they are. Um, he knows he can do it right now because there's not a huge amount of love for the team, whereas, you know, he can really assert himself. So, no surprises there. It was obviously great to see them lose to such a shitty team and, you know, long may it continue and let's hope it, it, you know, it's been a death knell for so many teams. And I think I remember I saw a great tweet from you, Pete, where you said, this is it. If if, if Conte can't solve Spurs, then they've lost. This is the, it's like the final, the final uh, villain at the end of a video game, because if he can't do it, nobody can. Um, so I am desperately hoping that, that, that he can't do it. He's he's going to improve them. He can't make them any worse. But I think the biggest thing is the Harry Kane situation. It, it's, it's, it's just such a glorious situation because Harry Kane, I think, is, is now at the place where it, it's great if he stays and it's great if he goes. Um, I think I think I think I think that there isn't a win 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 situation for Spurs. I think he's past his prime. Um, I think he holds the team back. Um, so, so, so in that sense, um, it's fine for him to stay. And on the other side of it, um, he's a talisman for them and he's symbolic of good times. And he also is, scores 15 goals a season, even when he's playing badly. So you've still got to replace them with something. So, um, yeah. I, I, it's uh, kind of beautiful. They've got a short-term manager. They've got long-term problems. 
Conte always needs money. You know, even when uh, even when he went to Inter Milan, he still had money to spend, and he had a had a great football operator in uh, Beppe Marotta um, to to help him along the way. He used, you know, when he went to Chelsea, everyone talks about that like it was a genius move. He took over a very well trained Jose Mourinho team that had won the league within two prior seasons. It was loaded full of stars, and he basically put a new formation in. Uh, tweaked the attitude and, you know, he scored 93 points, but fell off a cliff the season after and, uh, and never recovered. I think that people are going to see that the Premier League is incredibly competitive and a manager alone cannot get you to where you need to be. You need to have good infrastructure. You need to have good player recruitment. You need to have a vision and an idea and everybody needs to be pulling in the right direction. So I'm sure Conte will get Spurs around top four because that's just what he does. But I think it's going to be way more difficult and way more slower. And look, you know, losing to Mura shows that there are deep, deep problems there. You know, they had a 65 million pound midfielder. Endembole was absolutely dreadful. So um, it'll be interesting to see who he clears out and it'll be interesting to see what his take on Harry Kane is because like you say, can't really have a passenger even if they are absolutely elite. And um the, the next manager that I want to talk about, Matt, and this will be our, you know, our, our farewell to the podcast today. Um, Ralph Ranić, a Legro favourite over the years. Um, the, the Leipzig architect has taken the job at Manchester United for six months. And then after, he's got a two-year consultancy project. Did Man United finally make a good decision? Well, I, I don't know about you, but as soon as I saw that, my heart sank. Uh, I think Ornstein uh, gave it the thumbs up and it was like, oh, shit, this is actually happening. Um, and he's exactly the kind of person that they need uh, and the approach that they're making where he comes in and essentially does an audit on where they're at and then feds in a new manager at the end of the season that could be could still be him. Uh, but it's more likely to be someone else that he's recommended and and and, and he may be elevates himself up into some sort of director of football role, call, call it a consultant or whatever, is is really, really positive, smart thinking. And the reality is when you've got that much money, sooner or later you're going to make the right decision. Um, so it's it, it's going to happen. They're going to improve. Um, he's going to he's, he's make them a lot more competitive. Again, you've got to unpack so many poor decisions that they've made in terms of recruitment. The great thing is they've got no playing playing identity, Manchester United. So, um, you know, it's a big job. But uh, it's a big job and it's a small job because uh, they've, they've just got, they're, they're absolutely, that squad is loaded with talent. And so, um, you know, you feel like he could come in. I mean, just talking about those two managers, you have to say that Conte would have been a perfect hire for Manchester United. I know, uh, yeah, they, they, but they must. Man United must have told his people, no, yeah, because I, I can't believe Conte was like, oh wow, I didn't expect Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to get sacked. Everyone knew that was happening. I guess his people might, just must have said, is this job open to us? Are you interested? And they just must have said no. Yeah, yeah, they wanna, maybe, they and maybe they. Yeah, so um, we're playing them on Thursday. I'm excited about that game. Um, we've never traditionally been very good at Old Trafford. Um, we won last year, obviously, but apart from that, we, 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 we're, we're pretty terrible there. We've got a couple of draws. and um, So I think it's a real opportunity for us. I want to see us get... I think we, we need to get three points from the next two games. 
to stay on track. However, we do it. Three points or two points, two draws wouldn't be the end of the world, but 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 a win and a defeat would actually be better, in probably from a an, from a a long term approach. So um, let, if we could if we could get something on um, on Thursday night, that would be great. I'll I'll take a point right now. Yeah, a big a big away performance would be nice. You know, even if like, I don't want to I don't want to talk about you know the worst case scenario here, but getting beaten by Liverpool hurt because the performance was you know pretty terrible in the second half. Like we are good enough to go and beat Man United. I'm sorry, we are we are more uh, they are in disarray at the moment. But like you say, they've got the individual talent to destroy you. You know, it doesn't matter whether they've got a playing system or not. When you've got you know a squad that's that expensively assembled, you've got an opportunity. But we also have the opportunity to to go at their back line. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah, I just wish that our strongest part of our team was our forwards rather than our our, our, our defence. So um, we'll see. Um, I'm not feeling that optimistic about it right now. I feel like they're going to have a manager bounce. It's a night game. It's all of that sort of stuff. Um, but maybe I'll change my mind. Um but I'll take a point. I will too. All right, Matt. Well, thank you for, for joining to our, our split video podcast uh, today. If you are listening to this and you were on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. You know I love that. And we will be back for an on-the-whistle against Manchester United. If you haven't had the chance, take a listen to the Perry Groves podcast. It was absolutely magnificent. Um, one of the most listened-to podcasts we've had so far. And again, thank you if you're listening and or you're watching on video. We re- really appreciate all the comments and the engagement that go with on it. And on that note, ciao for now. Ciao for now. Hi, I'm comedian Johnny Cochran. Now, last year, my life was turned upside down when I became a first-time dad. Yeah, and I'm sitting there thinking, mm, this is a little bit crazy right now. How am I going to get through all of the challenges in front of me? One of the things I thought I'd do was set up a podcast talking to other fathers about their experiences. Fathers like Russell Kane. No one, no one's man is trying to suggest that what a man does is 1% of the ravages of a female's body being overtaken by its alien host. And Carl Donnelly. This is the admin bit where I'm sort of, you know, obsessing about prams and stuff like that. Oh, you've got to get a good set of wheels. I bought a vintage... Uh, 1960s Marmet pram, which is so inconvenient, and it's never. We're only. It, it can't go any further than like the local park. And Doc Brown. We're here is complaining about money and how expensive it is to have kids and whatnot. They're like, well, you shouldn't have had us. <laughs> it's like it's your fault, and it's like, I mean, I turn around and it costs me 300 quid. <laughs> kids are so expensive. So you can listen to those guys and more in the How's Your Father podcast. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more. Surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Teachers, administrators, and other school staff play an important role. Education can be a shining light, and it's really the equalizer for everybody. You are making a difference in people's lives, including your students. You can have a really bad day at school and still realize that what you're doing is making a bigger difference. We are the best profession in the world next to doctors, but even a doctor had a teacher. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.